Welcome to Punditocracy, Lawrence.com's politics and culture talk show. And I do apologize for our lengthy absence after Thanksgiving, but uh, can you smell that? That sort of putrid, rotting flesh smell? That's me sweating giblet gravy out of my forehead, which then drips onto my microphone, seeps through the internet, and then starts filling your iPod as though it were a white enameled ladle. Shuffling only stirs the fatty bits up to the surface and makes the smell worse. Just ride it out. Hopefully everyone else had an equally decadent, diabetes-inducing Thanksgiving, although I have reached a saturation point. On top of the creamy flop sweat, I'm baking stuffing muffins in my armpits. My glands are working overtime to process the cranberry sauce, which flows through my veins. Sorry, how rude. Uh, I'm Gavin, along with Aaron. Say hello, Aaron. What's up? How was your Thanksgiving, Aaron? Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> Do you say that uh, from a culinary standpoint or just interaction with the family, which everyone finds awkward and horrible? Um, pretty much interaction with the family, which is always awkward and horrible. But evidently, my mother this year um, is just flat out refused to cook Thanksgiving dinner. Cause she's you, sick you, of, you pushed her that far. Well, I think it's the You entire, and your deadbeat family. You yeah, pushed her the, that far. The deadbeat family pushed her that far, and she's sick and tired, which, you know, hey, fair enough. Fair enough. She's sick and tired of slaving for two days to make food for us men, more or less. And so she refused to do it. So my father, in a vain attempt, tried to cook Thanksgiving dinner, which consisted of (laughs) frozen peas, um, hot dogs, burnt fish sticks. Fish sticks! And uh, (laughs) what else do we have? (laughs) I believe uh, Mrs. Gorton's was actually at the original Thanksgiving. So it it, it ties in with the whole thing. So it was, um, it was interesting. Did you at least have gravy for the fish sticks? Oh, hell no. Oh, I'm very curious to try that now. Like, maybe go to Long John Silver's, get some fish planks, and then see if they have, like, a side of cream gravy that I can dip the fish in. That's right. Put your already greasy, yeah. fatty fish I mean, into more. It can't, it can't be any worse than tartar sauce, I imagine. Nah, probably not. And it, oh, we did have tartar sauce, though. Did, see? It was a proper. You you had the appropriate dressing. That's right. For but it was dish. a really cheap tartar sauce. It comes in the little, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, squeeze thing. It's like, like the, the generic Heinz stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's like the generic brand yeah. that you buy for ninety nine cents. Which is basically store. mayonnaise with uh, processed relish bits in it. Uh, I don't really want to know what's in it. Yeah, Probably it's mostly like, it's mostly uncooked eggs and little pickled bits. Yeah, uh, and rat feces. But, but by God, it's delicious. No, I could just line up shot glasses full of that stuff. and It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it makes fish sticks tolerable. Oh, <laughs> uh, But, hey, uh, everyone else out there can share the contents of their Turkey Day vomit by emailing us at poundingthepundit at yahoo.com, leaving comments on lawrence.com, or posting photos of their regurgitated mashed sweet potato belly smoothies on our MySpace page www.myspace.com backslash punditocracy but um speaking of nauseating scenarios iraq uh the much anticipated baker hamilton iraq study group is planning to release the recommendations this week uh um, i believe they already announced it actually they? no uh, tomorrow tomorrow we're, for those out there uh who have no concept of when we're recording we're recording this on tuesday and i believe tomorrow wednesday oh, okay uh the fifth they're going to release their findings well i must have seen an article that more or less sort of outlines what they think well, they're going to recommend yeah because uh much like pamela anderson's implants after kid rock attempts to surgically remove them in a violent custody battle there have been leaks of the Iraq study group. No. So, yes. Oh, and did you not know that Kid Rock and, and Pamela split up? Yeah, it's been like, what, 30 hours? was 30 hours or something like that? It was about four months. Four there, months? Oh, all right. <laughs> Sorry, I thought but, it was a little... But yeah, since, if, since we were on the topic of national tragedies like Iraq, so the, that, the, that, the divorce between Pamela Anderson and Kid Rock, I think, mm-hmm. should be mentioned up front. I'm going to light a candle for that one. I know. We had so much to give thanks for. So she's been married... But now it's all gone. She's been married to four rock stars now? Well, I I guess Tommy Lee can count twice because twice. yeah, he's, there was the he's got from, he's got that that uh, that little member in between his legs. So I think that's a whole separate right. husband. Because there was the guy from Motley Crue, and I think the guy from Poison, right? I, yeah, I think she was with Brett Michaels. Yes, I could be wrong. I think 
I don't know. Who cares? No, I don't know. I, although I, I believe she probably also is at some point married to Robert Gates, uh, the presumptive nominee for Secretary of Defense, whose uh, confirmation is all but assured after being unanimously approved by the Senate Armed Services Committee today. Um, and Gates actually, funny enough, was on the Iraq study group, the Baker-Hamilton Iraq study group, uh, which gives you an indication of the sort of change of, uh, I wouldn't say complete change, but the sort of subtle shift in uh, the way that they're going to approach Iraq. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, although anything was a dramatic departure from, from Rumsfeld. But. Right. Well, obviously, the uh, Iraq study group is going to have several recommendations, and I'm sure many of them are going to be a lot more complex and there's what's going to come out in the media. But from what I basically understand is that the panel is going to recommend that we have a gradual withdrawal of troops over time but not set any timetable. Yes. Because... Now, isn't that what everybody has been saying for the last four <laughs> damn years? The rhetoric, the only reason that this thing exists, this uh, Baker-Hamilton supposedly bipartisan study group no, but, exists... No, but is, is that not what the opposition to Bush yeah. on his policies in Iraq yeah. have more or less said yeah. for the last three years? And it takes a special panel yes. with... George H.W. Bush's old cronies yes. to say this for Bush to finally listen. Yes. is basically providing Bush with the political cover he needs to propose his own withdrawal strategy yeah. before the Democrats take control of the Congress. Because uh, like everything that this administration does and has done, uh, everything is motivated by pure politics and the Baker-Hamilton study group is merely there to provide Bush with an exit strategy, which he wow. can save a little bit of face on. Um, and, yeah, the recommendations are pretty much going to be what everybody's been saying for a Phase, gradual time. withdrawal, negotiations, or at least talks with uh, Iraq's neighbors, Syria and Iran specifically, to see if they can help stabilize the political situation there. Uh, although that's got to take a lot of crow-eating on Bush's part. Well, I don't think there's any way diplomatically we're going to get those two on board. Yeah. Uh, they don't want the civil war and sectarian violence spilling into their borders. They enjoy that oh, Iraq. Yeah, the same. They, they they do enjoy that Iraq is becoming our version of Afghanistan. Although Afghanistan is becoming our version of Afghanistan, as Afghanistan was to Russia, and in, in, right, right. in hastening the decline of that evil empire. Um, <laughs> And an evil empire it was. <laughs> oh, I wish we had them to kick her out. Although there are still wonderful remnants of the Soviet empire, what with this uh, ex-KGB radiation oh, poisoning, is it? Oh, you know, that that is a just, it's, you read articles about this story, and I mean, it sounds like a really pretty good spy novel. It sounds far, you it know? sounds like I mean, an it Ian like, Fleming, yeah. John le Carré novel. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like something that, you know, somebody would make a movie out yeah. of, just this great espionage story, and... Leaders of various nations yeah. getting revenge. You have spy and agencies, spy agencies shadowy organizations right, within right. the Kremlin but this, that, that might reach all the way to the top of the presidency in Russia. But this apparently is really, no, it's really happened. Yeah. And uh, they've used radiation now. And if you have heard, there are now several uh, grounded uh, air yeah. passenger airliners yeah. in Europe that have traces of radiation all over them. There's a radiation footprint this big Yeti-sized glowing yes. footprint over most of Europe and Asia. Yes. <laughs> that Scotland Yard is actually investigating this because, this, for those who haven't heard, there was an ex-KGB agent who was investigating the death of a journalist who was, was critical. Also sus- yeah. who they also suspected that the KGB, well, what is... What is no no one has drawn any conclusions. Oh, okay, 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 a lot of backstory here. There's a journalist who is investigating the Putin administration in Russia, very critical of their efforts in Chechnya and curtailing civil liberties in Russia. She was gunned down gangland style in front of her apartment. There was an ex-KGB agent who was a friend of hers and was investigating her death. All of a sudden, his hair starts falling out and his organs start withering and he starts dying this slow three-week agonizing death. Turns out that he has an extraordinarily rare and highly – scientists have said that this substance, polonium-210, which was discovered in his body, is 50 million times more toxic than cyanide. Right, and one that only a 
few governments in yeah. the world have access to, which leads most to conclude that at least somebody high up in the Russian government had something to do with this. Mm-hmm. And of course, you don't just find this out on the street. You just don't buy it in the black market. However, I, I will actually throw this out there. I don't think that the Putin administration did kill him because I think that their means of execution would be far more clean and untraceable. This thing has oh. literally left a trace, literally left a trail, a glowing radioactive trail that they've been able to follow uh, from its origins in uh, London all the way back to Russia. More than likely what it was is uh, uh, the oil industry because mm. they didn't like the, the rumor has it that this KGB agent was trying to blackmail a former uh, oil uh, tycoon in Russia. Ah. And there, of course, Russia being a, a, a kleptocracy, there's collusion <laughs> between uh, organized crime and uh, multinational conglomerates, and uh, and there still may be a tie with Russia, but uh, either way, fascinating. It's stuff. It's pretty amazing stuff. I'm and yeah, not- and, when you, and you combine that with uh, the current Ukrainian president, uh, Viktor Yushchenko, oh, yes, who's also poisoned. Yeah. but he was like far more traditional poisoning stuff that just made <laughs> him like burst out into weeping boils and disfigured him for the rest of That's his right. life. That's but, right. Uh, yes. Uh, just great stuff. Well, I don't know. I mean, and and what, what perfect synergy with the new James Bond movie. Oh, too. I know. <laughs> well, like I, I, said, have feeling, I have a feeling that it's actually uh, MGM Studios is actually poisoning these people just for publicity sake possibly, for Casino Royale. Possibly. That's my theory. It's <laughs> sounds like a great spy movie is what it does. But no, I, this has been a long trend, really, that has been going on in Russia. Just these people that have been critical of Putin and his administration yeah. just dying. Yeah. Just being knocked off, being killed, and this journalist who was killed not too long ago. I about can't a year remember. ago, I think. Yeah, I can't remember exactly when she got knocked off, but yeah, she was coming out with some very, very off the wall conspiracy theories about Russia. I mean, she was saying that the apartment bombings that happened in the late '90s were actually orchestrated by the Russian government to try to get rally up public support for the war, war in Chechnya. Chechnya, whereas, of course. The Russian government was blaming Chechen rebels, and there's all sorts of strange conspiracy theories and whatnot going on. And I will say that I, the, Putin, I, the Putin administration is not helping their case because their counter theory as to what happened is that this guy was poisoned intentionally to make Putin look bad. <laughs> that it's it's or that oh, you never or, know, right? or that the spy, the ex KGB agent, poisoned himself to try to frame Putin. But who knows? I mean, this story maybe is already he, fucked up beyond... Yeah, maybe uh, he really wanted to go down as that big of a martyr. I don't know. I would suspect, though, that the Russian government is behind all of this. Yeah. Maybe Putin... Putin's probably sitting there not necessarily directly giving the orders, but kind of allowing certain people he knows within the KGB to just sort of do their thing without any sort of oversight. But you got to remember that Putin was the head of the KGB. That's true. He, he, he himself is a former KGB Union, agent. So... And he's established basically a one-party rule in Russia, his party. <laughs> oh, right. Well, and elections are coming up in Russia, too. And I, I have this sinking suspicion that mm. they're going to change the laws suddenly to allow Putin to run for a third term. Yeah. <laughs> and then he'll get probably— He's like 90- the Russian FDR. <laughs> yes. And he'll probably get, like, you know, 95% of the vote. Something Just, like that. Yeah. Um, at least Hugo Chavez had the token opposition— uh, down right. in Venezuela. Right. <laughs> he won re-election recently, by the way. But uh, just, I, just one more note on this. Yes. Though, just speaking of the Cold War years and how much I want them back. <laughs> I watched Rocky Four the other night. I must break you. Yes. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> it was great, great stuff. God, the Cold War was just we had clearly Phenomenal. defined bad guys. Clearly defined good guys. Yeah. Clearly I'm, defined alliances. Now we've got these uh, terror, these loose-knit terrorist organizations. That's right. I mean, it's really hard to, you know, build shitty Hollywood movies around that. Yeah, I know. Like Rocky Four. Although, hey, Rocky Balboa is coming out this, uh, this Christmas. We could, yeah. We get I, to see Sylvester Stallone shirtless one more time. Sixty-year-old Sylvester Stallone <laughs> shirtless. And you know, I will see. He's it still on, in better shape than I am. I will see it on opening day. Really? Yes. You're that Maybe, much of a Sly fan. Oh yes. Huh. Rocky. The Rocky movies are great. Let's let's not. Are you more of a Rocky guy or a Rambo guy? Well, they're both equally good. Yeah. In fact, Rambo was on a couple days ago too. You Rambo know, Part Two. 
which it, is the best one. They're they're undeniably great franchises, but the the one Sylvester Stallone '80s film that I think is overlooked for greatness mm-hmm. is uh, Cobra. Cobra is yes, I Remember was Cobra? hoping you were going to say that. Cobra, Cobra. And where, where he plays the lawman, yes. he works outside of the system. And of course, I believe that I believe the uh, the line that Sylvester Oscar winning Sylvester Stallone, by the way, lest people forget, he won an Oscar for Rocky. Oscar winning Sylvester Stallone, the crime is a disease, and I'm the cure. <laughs> Let us not forget over the top, too. <laughs> We're gonna take it <laughs> over the top. The only arm wrestling movie that I can think of in Hollywood history, but it's most no. I mean, it's it's. What you expect? Terrible '80s film, but it's I think right. most notable for the Sammy Hagar theme song that went along with it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me see if I can remember the uh, the refrain in it, the chorus. In it. Winners take it all. Yeah. Losers take the fall. I'm not sure. Something, if that was... something over the top. I'm not sure if that was actually. Sammy I don't think Hagar. Was it. It was but Sammy Hagar. Was it I Sammy know because I remember the Sammy Hagar video that went along with it, oh. in which he arm wrestled Sylvester Stallone. Huh. Well, I'll have to get out my old best of Sammy Hagar records and try to find that song. Although Sylvester Stallone did say that his motivation for making Rocky Balboa was that he was disappointed with the ending of the fifth one. <laughs> so he had. Did somebody had to see? The, did anybody see the fifth Rocky? Well, of course, everybody saw the fifth one. That was the one with nobody uh, saw the fifth oh, Rocky. Man. That's the one with That's um, where he, the Tommy, Tommy Gunn. Tommy Gunn. That's right. Nobody Tommy saw that movie. Oh, well, I saw it. And it was terrible. And I saw it too, but we're nobody. <laughs> so, I mean, he's, he's a very generous man. I mean, he fucked up on Rocky V. He was brilliant in Rocky IV, three, and maybe not so much two. One. But he's, he's redeeming himself. He's Mr. coming D, back. Clubber Lane. Rocky III might actually be better because that's got Hulk Hogan in it too. That's true. All right, we're way off topic. Here. Yes, uh, uh, speaking of disasters, such as the oeuvre of Sylvester Stallone, Iraq. <laughs> Maybe that'll be Rocky. Oh, by 7. the way, oh, you know what we can do? We can we can use uh, Rambo three as a segue because Rambo three is where he was in Afghanistan. Well, and, and there fought is, with the Taliban. Well, now there, yes, and there is actually rumors too that there will be a Rambo four where he fights and he goes back Al-Qaeda, into Afghanistan right, yeah. and he kills Osama bin Laden. <laughs> now, seriously, I'm not joking. I know, I, I remember these rumors, uh, and I do believe we need to have Rocky seven. We can have, I don't know, maybe. where he boxes the Iron Sheik. Well, yeah, if the Iron you Sheik know, is so, still alive. Because we, cause it could be like a like like in Rocky Four, you have like a Drago come over, but he'll be like an Al Qaeda, yeah, like super. But, but he can't be Arab because that'd be racist, and that would. I'm sure be he very, could be that, Arab. No, no, that would not be very PC. There, like the the Arab anti defamation league should right, be all up no, in arms. Right. It'd have to be like maybe a Chechen. Uh, Al Qaeda, Chechen, Al Qaeda, Russian, Chechen. Russian Muslim extremists. That's right. There we there go. There you go. Well, perfect. Let's, let's start writing that. Call script. Sly's agent. Let's start writing the script tonight, Gavin. We can get well, it done. Okay, we there. we will write that as soon as we solve this mess in Iraq. All right. Because you and I can do it right here in this room. Just you, me, two microphones, and uh, um, actually, we can't solve Iraq. But um, so yeah, Robert Gates. <laughs> But I, yeah, the the Iraq study group and Robert Gates are, I think, interesting actors in the psychodrama that's being played out between Bush and H W Bush, between W and H W, father and son. Is well, I have the sinking suspicion that H W does not really agree with everything that his son is doing. Oh no, he thinks his son is mildly retarded. Yes. And I imagine is mortified that he is the most powerful person in the world. Well, let us not forget that the reason why H.W. Bush didn't go into Iraq the first time around was because he foresaw all of this. Yeah. Uh, He foresaw it. James Baker foresaw it. In fact, James Baker, I believe, wrote uh, a pretty stinging rebuke of uh, Junior's policy in the run-up to the Iraq War. And uh, so now you have... Well, the only person that didn't was Secretary of Defense then, Dick Cheney. Dick, yes. Who, which is kind of funny because back then he was advocating not going into Iraq. Yeah. All of a sudden, uh, somewhere in the mid-90s... He found the neocon light. (laughs) But this is another interesting thing about Robert Gates, who was head of the CIA 
under uh, H.W., uh, Bush 41. Was it Reagan, the last part of Reagan years and HW? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He was chief for only a few years, I think, or maybe just one year, but um, yeah, he, he, he's a CIA man. He's yeah, been in CIA most, since most the 60s. Directors and the funny thing about so Gates is that back in Iran-Contra, because he was still a bigwig in the CIA, he wasn't head of it, but back during Iran-Contra, he was advocating that Reagan actually uh, invade South America <laughs> and just launch all-out war. Well, rather, rather than just pussyfooting around and funding Contras, let's a, just go in there, balls out, like napalm the shit out of the place. Sensible policy. Yes. And, but, maybe, but even this guy, even uh, this guy thinks that we sh- uh, screwed the pooch in Iraq. <laughs> this guy who's advocating that we nuke our neighbors to the south is saying... Eh, well, Reagan might have been able to get away with a full-blown invasion of South America. He was pretty popular. Yeah, I mean, he, he he got away with selling arms. I'm really army. amazed that people well, you got to remember forget to the that. 82s, we're talking about the Cold War. That was a Cold War machine we had back then. Yeah. That was an army. Yeah. We kick anybody's ass back in but the But isn't 80s. it funny how right now we're very concerned about a uh, nuclear-armed Iran Whereas back in the 80s, we were funneling them as many weapons as we could. Well, we were funneling, well, yeah, and <laughs> Iraq. <laughs> and we were doing that. We weren't doing it. I mean, we, I don't know, I, I, we do enjoy propping up puppet dictators in the Middle East. But the prime reason we were doing that is so we could get some slush money to send down to rebels in South America. Right. Untraceable money that we could send down to South America. so Because we were still really concerned about these little banana republic dictators. Well, the whole theory was is that you cannot let a commie, well, they they believed it was going to be like another domino effect in Central Yeah, and look how well Central Vietnam America. turned out. Well, exactly. <laughs> but... The the underlining concern back then too was that you can't have communists in your own backyard, as they put it. Yeah. It's one thing to have them over in Asia, not in my backyard. It's one thing to have them over in Africa, yeah. but you you can't have them several hundred miles to the south. Yes, you just can't because you don't want pro- produce being socialized. There's, there's been Cuba there for a long time. Yeah, and it's been such a dis- destabilizing. <laughs> <laughs> the bearded menace in right. Cuba. Uh, but not a, it, it, the, back to the Iraq policy and and the sort of steps being taken now for the cover your ass. But it's withdrawal. All steps, but see, here's the thing. Here's the big problem I have with it. These are all steps that have been recommended from really since day one. Yeah. And if Bush had listened to oh no, but opposite people, but Baker Hamilton parties, these are completely new off-the-wall ideas like phase troop withdrawal negotiating well, with again, iraq's neighbors again if we had if we had implemented these policies two or three years ago who knows it may be different the situation in iraq may be different it may not be different but the point is yeah. is that these recommendations should have been listened to a long time ago yeah that's the underlying issue and the funny thing is that uh, uh john murtha was advocating many of these policies a year ago and was called a coward and a, a traitor, traitor and a terrorist. <laughs> but now, since these recommendations well, have, had the air of authenticity from right. Bush's daddy's uh, cronies, now it's okay. <laughs> these, and, uh, and Well, let's be fair. Murtha's, Murtha's recommendations were a little bit different than what Baker is suggesting. A little bit, but a the hard bit. I mean, was he the wanted, He wanted more or less a straight-up withdrawal of U.S. troops. But, what this panel and I think what most rational people are going to argue is is that we need to get the hell out of Iraq. However, we just cannot just leave. There has to be some sort of phased withdrawal where we do not just leave the country and complete another chaos. Not saying it's not complete another chaos now, yeah. but it can be a lot worse. Yeah. So it's just the the definition of what we're trying to accomplish over there. Well, we don't know what we're trying to accomplish. No, no, we have no I mean, idea what we're doing over the there. Problem. The military has no clearly defined objective. Well, and, and they don't even really know who they're fighting. I mean, are they fighting no. against the Shias? Are they fighting against the Sunnis? Are they fighting against... Are they fighting, be... are they fighting against the militias well, right. that we initially uh, ostensibly are trying to train to take over security, right. but are now death squads uh, out there ethnically right. cleansing the place? Are we trying to target what we were initially targeting, which is terrorists and al-Qaeda based yeah. in Iraq? Yeah. Which is the whole reason we went into Iraq to begin with. So it's... Yeah. Nobody so, so, yeah, so instead of a, like a coherent strategy, we had slogans like "Stay the course." Yeah, 
which is now slowly devolving into, ooh, look at the time. We really should be getting back. Hope you enjoy your new democracy. <laughs> Realistically, though, it's still going to be a long time before we can completely withdraw from Iraq. And as I... Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't think that uh, our troops being there are having any effect. In fact, the only effect they may be having is further destabilizing the region because we're providing targets for both sides <laughs> of the Sunni-Shia civil war. And by the way, yeah. it's a civil war. Uh, you already have right now. Well, it's been now, a civil war for yeah, several years. Yeah, and so you have right now what once were Sunni-Shia segregated neighborhoods. Uh, now desegregating and forming their own little enclaves within the country. So uh, things are moving towards a three-state system now, whether we like it or not. With uh, in, in What we would like is that they, were, they would be a loosely federalized state system, that there would be like a central government that oh, that's that, with the happen. state. But no, yeah. Uh, At least one of them is probably going to establish a very hardcore Islamic dictatorship more yeah. or less yeah more or less like the taliban Regardless. is what i would suspect one of them one of the three yeah although through the uh through the marketplace of ideas and bullets <laughs> whoever's the strongest strong man will rise to the top yeah. and will be pining for the days that saddam hussein was in power <laughs> um but yeah, we should talk about the political situation as it stands right now in iraq you have uh, prime minister al-maliki who's basically a eunuch uh, has no authority over there. He's completely beholden to Muqtada al-Sadr and his militia power. And al-Sadr was threatening to withdraw from the coalition government that they have right now because al-Maliki met with Bush. All right. And um, so, yeah, we, even our puppet uh, prime minister, <laughs> we can't even control no. because he postponed the meeting with Bush after pressure from al-Sadr. And I, have you ever seen Muqtada al-Sadr? Mm, I don't know if I have, actually. He looks like an angry, bearded Cabbage Patch kid. Really? Yes, he's got these, he's got these like, sort of adorable cherub cheeks and these big bug eyes, little tiny pug nose. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's terrifying. And he's the most powerful man in Iraq right now. I'm sure I've probably seen a picture yeah, of him yeah. somewhere along the road, but... yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, so that's, that's just kind of indicative of the state of Iraq right now. Uh, you have a prime minister who's in the pocket of a uh, radical cleric <laughs> who wants to establish a hardcore Taliban-style theocracy in yeah, Iraq. Yeah, and that's probably, probably realistically that's what it's going to end up as. Mm. It's just my suspicion. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Everybody's been so wrong about everything up to this point. Of course, we could just always withdraw immediately right now. To sort of retreat a little bit, yeah. think of a game plan, and then just reinvade. <laughs> It'll be like the. Oh, you laugh, but oh, I know, I know. I'm completely serious. It'll be like the tide rolling out before a tsunami comes yeah. in. Oh, look at well, all the beach, and then boom. I have, <laughs> I have. Um, I mean, I've said many times on this show that I don't think there's going to be any real change in our course in Iraq well, until, in office. until we get a new president. And I, I'm not necessarily saying that it even has to be a Democrat in office. I just think it has to be somebody new. Yeah, unless you're John McCain, who's advocating sending more troops. Well, John, it's, listen, it's, listen. that's not going to work at this point. Well, it won't listen, work at I'm, this point. I'm because least, what, 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 will least, traditional, least, what will a traditional troop uh, – ground war accomplished nothing because we we don't have a traditional enemy we're fighting it's a political it's a it's political anarchy over there and uh more troops while we might be able to implement martial law for a while i will at least say this at least mccain is thinking of new ideas well i wouldn't call it a new idea well, i wouldn't call it a new idea either. but at least he's thinking of changing military policy and, and that's fine and we'll go off on a tangent real quick about 2008 presidential politics and what the hell is he thinking i mean i guess well i don't think he's gonna win the republican nomination no i mean i think if giuliani runs he's gonna get the republican nomination i don't, I don't think, think that there's any no, I, I think, question in that i think that actually giuliani and mccain will probably split the independent vote the moderate vote in the republican primaries and then you, that'll leave the doors open for, for brownback no <laughs> he's too crazy mitt romney i think is the one in the center who might be able to drive well through. i think rip mom uh, rip, rip romney <laughs> I, 
I think he would actually be his actual name is that silly anyway. So I think he would actually be a pretty pretty decent choice for the Republicans. He would be an effective candidate. The only problem is that he's Mormon. And I don't know if, but he is. But he is also a centralist. He is. Um, but correct, correct me if I'm wrong. He's a Massachusetts liberal Republican, but he's still a Massachusetts liberal. I think he'd be a great choice. I think he would appeal to a lot of independent. Now, granted, I don't know really enough about him, but I would think that at this point, just on the surface, knowing what his policies are, that he would appeal to a lot of independents and that he would appeal to a lot of more conservative leaning Democrats. Yeah. He might not necessarily appeal to the Republican far right, but let's be honest, the Republican far right is sort of losing their voice right they, now. They they got so, slapped pretty hard on the midterms. Yeah. Uh, the the influence that they once had right. and the sort of get out the vote power that was once vaunted no. didn't come through this time. No. I, I think no, I, I think Romney would be a superb candidate for the Republicans. If the Republicans want to retain the presidential office in two thousand eight I think either him or Giuliani, those are probably going to be the I, two that would... Yeah, I, and, and again, this is uh, it's way too early right now, but there's really nothing else going on in politics right now. It's just the only thing anyone right. talks about. However, the presidential election cycle is so... Ran- it's more like... It's like Christmas. Yeah, you know, Christmas keeps coming. Christmas starts in July now. That's right. The presidential primary season starts about two years out from an yeah. actual presidential well, that's, election. Well, you know, that's what happened last yeah, time around. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, I think, yeah, you have Romney, who, as of right now, has probably the best chance of being a centrist candidate. But you also have dark horses and unknown factors out there, like uh, Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, who a lot of people think has the political talent to actually sort of thread the needle between the conservatives and the moderates, and he's an unknown quantity, so well, he can that's, fill that's, in. Yeah. That's possible. But you never know. Well, I, I, I think actually right now the republic, like everyone assumes it's going to be McCain, but I don't, I don't think it's as don't sewn it's up the, as that. Well, I don't think so either. I mean, first off, I think that a lot of, he's alienated a lot of the Republican base, and it's not just a religious right that he's alienated. Second off, he's old. <laughs> a lot of, well, no, seriously, a lot of people oh, are going to take that into consideration when they go out so to the polls Bob Dole. And, and vote in the primaries. Um, and he's just, I don't, you know, people accuse well, yeah, he, people he, accuse Kerry of being a flip flopper. Yeah, this guy. I mean, this guy is flip flopped on every. He's single he's issue. shameless. Uh, like recently, you say he's alienated the religious right, but his recent well, overtures to try to make up to right, them have also, been so transparently politically motivated. Right, that, and they they've gone completely against everything that he stood for. Yeah, he's, up until he's sacrificing now. all of his maverick street cred well, that he had built up. He's basically got his lips firmly around Jerry Falwell's yes. buttocks, yes. and they are ample buttocks. So he has a lot of kissing to do. Yes. But we'll leave him to that. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's going to make it at all. Yeah. I don't think that's and, a poor, and, and this, this notion of his. We'll, we'll go back to the original reason we started talking about this. The, he seems to think that if he just keeps saying "send more troops, send more troops," it, I think he's thinking that that sounds like at least I have a plan. And that and that well, was, I think, and, that, and that's what George Bush ran on in the in the uh, the '04 election, is saying. Sure, it may not be working, but at least I have a plan. Well, unlike, I, unlike my opponent. Now, maybe I'm wrong here, but I mean, I think his mindset on this is that he, of course, was in Vietnam. So I think that he's saying that the failed policies of Vietnam, that one of the reasons why we didn't succeed in that particular conflict was is that we didn't have enough troops, yeah, we didn't have enough it's support. Because it was unwinnable. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I think that he is sort and of. And by the way, he is it, sort of using we're talking that about historical psycho, example. Yeah. In the present, and I think that he thinks that just by sending more troops in, that that'll solve everything. Now, look, we, I, we I'm had not, so many more troops in Vietnam, and that was just a meat grinder. Look, for I'm soldiers. not. I, I'm not. I'm just saying. No, I'm, I'm not, not arguing I'm not with you. Saying I'm just questioning what the hell is. He I, I have. I have suggested that we might need more troops in Iraq as well. Now, I don't think. That Wrong! We, <laughs> I'm not saying that we should send more troops in without a plan. I mean, if we're going to send more troops in, we need to have a very coherent military tactical plan to be able to regain control. And without that, there's no point of putting more troops in. But if we actually did come up with that military plan and it did require more troops, I'm for there's, it. There's no military solution anymore. It's, it's beyond I'm not that. saying there is. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, again, hey, at least that's a plan. Right. But it, I don't think there's any military plan that we right. can enact right now to uh, solve things in Iraq. No. I don't think there's any plan to solve Iraq. Probably. I'll say that right now. There's nothing we can do right now to prevent that place from sliding into total hell-on-earth civil war anarchy. Yeah. It doesn't look like it at this point, does it? Yeah, uh, and uh, the most we can hope for is 
I don't know, like in Vietnam after we foobarred that country, eventually over the course of time after several generations, yeah. <laughs> something might. Well, that's, well, that's probably what's going to happen, yeah. I would think. What about the Democrats in 08? Because, you know, I'm looking at the Democratic field. <laughs> and it is. Oh, it's Obama. Just, oh, God. I think, no. I, think I, I don't like the guy <sighs> or dislike him. Like, Galen has this really weird, irrational hatred of Barack Obama. Well, I know he does. And I don't get that. But because Barack Obama hasn't done anything to hate yet. And I, that's why he hates But he him. hasn't done anything. Yeah. That's the and point. That's fine. But I don't see, like, how you can hate a blank slate. <laughs> I mean,. At this point, I think he has a better shot of winning the nomination than Hillary does. Because Hillary is such a polarizing figure because of the Iraq war. Right. Uh, I mean, well, primary I'm... voters, Democratic-based voters are not kind to Iraq war supporters. <laughs> we saw that in the last election. And they will take it out on Hillary. their own party, too. And, the, and you'll, you saw that in the primaries a lot. And you saw a lot of anti-war Democrats... Well, beating like centrist blue dog pro Iraq uh, well, Democrats, and the problem with Hillary is, is that if you get the right Democrat in there, you're going to get more moderate conservatives. Moderate conservatives that doesn't make any sense. Moderate Republicans they exist. They exist. To, to um, any, any to conservative vote is moderate right. compared to with vote, neocons. Right. To vote Democratic, and you'll get a lot of independents to vote Democratic yeah. as well. With Hillary, you're not going to get one Republican. Yeah. that's going to vote for yeah. Hillary Clinton. But it's and, not going to happen. I, I agree with you on that. I think, and I think even fiscal fiscal conservatives and foreign policy conservatives yeah. will vote for a religious right nutbag <laughs> over Hillary. That's true. Uh, I thought that she actually had an opportunity. She had a window of about a year uh, in which she could have made amends for her Iraq vote, or at least explained, had, or at least explained why she voted the way she did to authorize force in Iraq. But she has not offered an answer or even uh, any sort of explanation as to why she voted that way or an apology, which John Edwards, by the way. John Edwards is a candidate you need to look out for. <sighs> John Edwards, who also voted for the authorization I've for seen the polls. I, I've seen mock polls that have actually put him ahead. Yeah, because he apologized for his vote and said that was the wrong vote to yes. make. And so he's he's made kissy kissy nice nice with the primary voters in the Democratic Party. He's got a huge online support in the in the blogosphere, and uh, the primary season as it's stacked up right now favors him a lot because he has a hell of a ground game in Iowa, uh. and you know he's from Car- the Carolinas in the uh, the South Carolina primary shortly after Iowa and New Hampshire and all that. So uh, he's a he's a scumbag. I'm sorry, <laughs> scumbag. Woo! <laughs> Go read about some of his um, trials, I guess, back before he was a senator. Some of it's sickening stuff. Well, at the same time, he also... He made millions of dollars off the misery of other people. Well, he was also arguing against uh, pool companies whose drains would suck out the intestines of little children. Oh. <laughs> I guess I'll look so... beyond that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah, trial lawyer is going to play big. Trial lawyer is a big boogeyman, straw man for the religious right and conservative Republicans to begin with. I'm going to sum up what the 2008 election is going to be. Douchebag versus douchebag. That's what it's going to be. Or cocksucker versus asshole. Or that. Yeah. Uh, Because either way, I'm looking at both pools – and yeah, it's two years. It's a long time for somebody. There's plenty of time for somebody else to jump in. Right, to somebody to jump in. Clinton was pretty much an unknown two years before. I've said 92, this before. I'll say it again. But at the same time, I'm looking at both pools right now, and they're awful, <laughs> awful. Al Gore. Oh, don't. I would support that. Al Gore if he jumped into. Don't the race. even mention that. <laughs> I like the guy. I think that he's become. Uh, you want to talk about a polarizing figure? You want to talk about how is so- Al Gore polarizing? Al Gore is nowhere near as polarizing as Hillary Clinton oh, so he, was. He is just no, no. Al Gore is likable. He's uh, he's wearing the top button of his uh, shirts. He's not going to run into. He's very relaxed. He's put on some girth. He looks like more of a substantial. Watch figure out for now. 2012, though. I guess uh, Bush. I guess there's a not Jeb Bush, but I guess there's a younger one. What now. Neil? I don't, I don't, Neil's I don't like know. the criminal. Neil's like the insider trader, like uh, Wall Street. Nah, I don't think it's Neil. Crook. 
There's another Bush that's getting into politics. Oh, Jenna? <laughs> Jenna that's enough. I'd vote for her. Did you hear about, did you hear about their misadventures uh, in Argentina lately? Oh, God. I've heard about many of their misadventures. I don't know if I've heard. No, not in Argentina. Yeah, they've been in Argentina for months now, uh, supposedly down there with the Peace Corps. But they've, of course— Oh, they joined the Peace Corps? No. Oh. No, they're, like, looking uh, into— joining the Peace Corps in Argentina. <laughs> and while they're down there, they're like, of course, the tabloids have gone wild down in Argentina right. talking about how they're running through hotel lobbies naked. Well, I'm sure they are. Yeah. And then um, Barbara had her purse stolen at a cafe, even though she had like a full cadre of Secret Service agents around oh. her. <laughs> that just goes to show you that South American purse snatchers like we're losing that well, they, battle. Yeah, the, they the, know. the purse snatching gap between the United States and South America. Yeah, they know what they're doing down there. We we need to pull our purse snatchers up by the stolen bootstraps yeah. and get give them a swift kick in the butt because we're lo- There's there is a purse snatching deficit in this country, but maybe a candidate should run on that. <laughs> but uh, back to Iraq. Right. And, is there anything else to say about Iraq? Um, it's it's screwed. Uh, oh, oh, actually, yeah, we can say that. And you know who else said that? Donald Rumsfeld. He wrote a memo. It's easy, it's easy for him to say I that. I know, now. yeah, I know. It's straight. Well, he wrote a memo two days before he uh, tended his resignation mm. in which he said that what we're doing right now is not working. <laughs> oh, really? Well, he's the one that orchestrated it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I'm not placing any blame. Well, it's your no. fault, Donald. Sorry. Yeah, it is his fault. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he wrote this memo saying that it's, it's not so good over there. And he's saying that what we need to do, he's like proposing this should not be a consideration of a secretary well, why of defense. Didn't he, pro- he, was, he was suggesting political suggestions to, to the president. I said, you know what we should do? We should just say that we're trying out new stuff. And when that doesn't work, say, oh, instead of calling it failure, we'll say, oh, well, that was just a trial. We'll try something else after that. He is a senile old fool. <laughs> and if he actually did have some sort of other plan for Iraq, why didn't he do something about it two or three years yes. ago? He didn't. This whole failure in Iraq, and I will put pretty much 100% blame on Donald Rumsfeld. You, yes, he was it's, the one his that felt, it's his he strategy. He's the one that felt that a smaller, more mobile military could go in, take over, topple a government, and seize control. And he had the very petulant decision to not form a post-invasion strategy. Well, and he didn't he, form he, a coalition either. He wanted yeah. to, he essentially wanted to go it alone. He didn't want... But Colin Powell's the one countries. that like, convinced Bush that you need partners for this. So. Right, well, but he didn't want any other partners to have any control over what the U.S. military does. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. In Rumsfeld, there, there are some theories out there, and Bob Woodward's work has pointed this out. Rumsfeld did not want to stay in Iraq. Rumsfeld just wanted to go topple Saddam, and then maybe get the United Nations in there to rebuild. I don't believe that for a second. No, no, because he... If he wanted to just get rid of Saddam, why didn't they just find a way to assassinate him or find out where he was at? Because Bush Bush and the other neoconservatives wanted to invade and establish a democracy, which would be our sort of launching ground in the Middle East. But that's what Rumsfeld wanted. That was Rumsfeld and Cheney's idea. That goes back to the mid-90s. No, 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 here's the thing. He he intentionally did not have... A strategy for keeping the peace. Like he, he made that decision consciously. It wasn't that he was so confident and cocky. He just he thought that if he didn't have one, then perhaps we wouldn't stay. The president would make the decision that we should come back. Well, if however, that's what his, if that's what his policy was, and that's just pure negligence, right there. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and you rightly assign a bunch of blame on Rumsfeld, but let's not forget who authorized the invasion and whose vision it was. No. That it's would not, be Bush. It's not really That Bush. would be Cheney. It's not really Bush's vision. <laughs> well, it isn't. I mean, he, he's, he's the commander-in-chief. Well, but he's I mean, here. we could call him an what? idiot call and him, mentally deficient all we want to, but, but it was his but decision. We also, but we also have to – come on. Let's admit it's not President Bush. It's President Bush, <laughs> President Cheney, President yeah. Rumsfeld, President Condoleezza. And that's fine, but I, I – this is actually going to be a good segue because, again, we make fun of Bush for being a ninny and a borderline retard. And that's fun. It's an easy target. However, I think we're underestimating the man uh, and his uh, his political acumen. Let's not forget that he won two presidential elections. <laughs> and, 
and well, with the help of Carl Rove. Well, Carl Rove's not such the genius that we thought he was. Again, based on yeah. the election results, all right. Uh, even Bush knew that they were going down, whereas Carl Rove was insisting. But uh, Bush is a very petulant man. Bush is a very cocksure man, and he remember after all, he's the decider. As he, he's a very stubborn man. He's a very stubborn is. man. And he's he an thinks asshole. That he, he thinks that he is right, that yes. everybody else is wrong, and even when Which is it the has definition been proven, of an asshole. <laughs> and when it's been proven that he is wrong, he refuses to admit. And he's keeps wrong. Uh, attempting the same thing over and over right. again, which is actually one of the definitions of insanity, but we'll leave that for historians. Uh, but a, a, an example of Bush, not the, the stumbling boob, but Bush, the... Raging asshole? Yes. Yeah. Uh, an incident that happened recently at the uh-huh. White House. Yes, there was a reception for incoming uh, congressional freshmen, and one of those freshmen was Virginia Senator Elect Jim Webb, who uh, took down Macaca. Yes, <laughs> I was about to say George Macaca. <laughs> Macaca. I love that word now. And you know what's funny is that <laughs> it's just such. There, I, I've heard the argument, and there's, there's truth to this, that, um, well, you know, if it was such a bad thing for him to use that word, why does everybody else keep calling him that? As, you know, but this it, is funny. Because, I mean, nobody uses that word except, except for, for people who know what it means and the intent behind it. See, and George I, Allen meant it as a racial slur. I, I have to admit, I, I didn't really know what my cock had meant exactly. before he said it. But but George Allen knew exactly what it meant, and it is a, it is an existing racial slur in uh, North Africa, yeah. and his mother, of course, is of French North African descent. So he knew exactly what he was doing when he called this man of Indian descent macaque. Yeah. However, nobody else knows that this it's kind of like calling Irish people mix. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows what a mix is. Yeah, but that's just kind of it's, it's become silly now. Yeah. However, if, it depends on the the context used in. But anyway, that's besides the point. But anyway, Macaca went down in Virginia. So Jim Webb, uh, who defeated George Allen, was at this. And Jim Webb did not want to go because he hates our president. <laughs> because Jim Webb is a former secretary of the Navy under Ronald Reagan. He's a decorated Vietnam veteran. Um, he's, and he's, he's, he's a military a, historian. He's a Democrat, but he's not... He was the most. He was a registered Republican, yeah. but he switched say, I mean, to Democrat he's... because he thought George Allen was uh, an imbecile, yeah. and he wanted to get there and do what he could to try to correct this Iraq policy. This right. Disaster. Well, that's that's the point too. I mean, he's a Democrat now, but he's, <laughs> you know, again, he's a former Reaganite, if yeah. you want to call it that. Who's yeah. switching? So. And there were such things. Yeah, as, it's not as like Reagan he's Democrats. It's not like he's some loony. Fringe liberal <laughs> out there somewhere. No, but at the same time, and th- this incident will will throw this. The Jim Webb is not the sort of like uh, raging conservative that some people thinks no. that he is. He's an independent. He just happens to be a Democrat, but some anyway, moderate. Yeah, he's moderate. However, yeah. on fiscal, fl- and we're sorry about the. Woo, we're going off topics here, but it's all interesting all stuff. Right, just, just no, 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 real quick. But uh, Jim Webb, uh, Jim Webb. Uh, also an economic populist who wrote an op-ed in the uh, Wall Street Journal um, talking about the stratification of wealth in our country. And uh, just very interesting guy, fascinating gentleman, very complex guy, Jim Webb. Yes. And so Jim Webb did not want to go to this reception at the White House uh, being thrown for incoming freshman members of Congress. However, he demurred and agreed for the sake of the party, and he didn't want to seem rude by not showing up. However, while he was there... He refused to stand in a receiving line to greet the president and refused to have his picture taken with Bush. And so he was doing his best to avoid an altercation. It was just like hanging out by the punch bowl, I guess. Right, right. But who should come ambling up but W? <laughs> and, and oh, okay, more background here. Jim Webb has a son who's in the Marines and is serving in Iraq right now. And... Also, an interesting juxtaposition with the Bush twins. Yes. <laughs> but uh, Jim Webb's son is a Marine and actually had a near-death experience. Uh, IED went off next to his Hummer in Iraq, and he came very close to dying. And the president, before the reception, was told that Jim Webb's son is a very touchy subject. Yes. <laughs> he was specifically warned about this. However, again, W comes strolling up. 
You know, he's got that uh, that uh, USS Abraham Lincoln sort of giant cod piece yes. stride that he's got. They call it walking in Texas. But so he goes up to Webb, and uh, I have it, and this is confirmed. This exchange has been confirmed by Webb and numerous witnesses. The White House refuses to comment on this, All but right. okay. <laughs> President to Jim Webb, how's your boy? Jim Webb, I'd like to get them out of Iraq, Mr. President. The President, that's not what I asked you. How's your boy? <laughs> that's between me and my boy, Mr. President. Thus ended the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and Webb has admitted that he came within an inch of punching, punching George W. Bush in the been, face. That would have been awesome. In the White House. He came very close to striking the commander-in-chief in the White House. Now, see, the thing is, is it was is, was Bush just too stupid that he just kind of forgot? No, he's a asshole. Was a touchy issue, or what I suspect was is that he knew it was a touchy yeah. issue, and he know when he was he trying, he was trying to provoke, him, and he's, he just went up there just to be a dick. Yeah, he wanted to provoke a reaction because he's a he's a frat guy, <laughs> and that's what frat guys like doing. They love being bullies. However, you don't try that with the former Secretary of the Navy, who was actually a boxer while he was in the yeah. Navy. He's <laughs> uh, also a decorated Vietnam War veteran. Yeah. <clears throat> Unlike some people who spent the uh, majority of the 70s in Alabama, right. AWOL. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so, yeah, the, and that's just a good example of the the personality of our president right. and, and the, the sort of convictions of our president. <laughs> that he will stay in Iraq just to be a douchebag, just so he doesn't have to admit that he's wrong, just to be an asshole. Yeah. Uh, and... There is a possibility that his assholishness might actually get the better of him and actually might benefit the country and that he might withdraw troops before the Democrats have a chance to, just to just be a to dick, be a dick. <laughs> yeah. just to take that political playing no. piece away from them. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. He's got to use the Baker-Hamilton study for this. And uh, yeah. yeah, and you also have memos being leaked like like the White House is a sieve recently. Like you have Rumsfeld's memo coming out, which is basically to cover your ass for Rumsfeld's legacy, right? And also to prove that the alternatives were being discussed at the highest levels. And you have this memo from Stephen Hadley, who's a national security advisor, like big time raging neocon, one of the architects of the Iraq strategy. He released, well, he didn't release, but a memo was leaked, probably at his behest. Uh, right before Bush was to meet with al-Maliki, saying that he had no confidence that al-Maliki could control the violence in Iraq. Mm. And so you have all these memos coming out saying that uh, they realize that things aren't working. And so that's kind of laying the groundwork, and they're floating balloons to see, "Eh, can we get away with pulling out without being called hypocrites? (laughs) So so they they want to say that we tried everything. Right. We tried everything. And now they want some sort of what, – what do you call it? Um, withdrawal with honor, uh, whatever they called it in Vietnam. Withdrawn recommendations from – Yeah. I don't know. So, so yeah, you have – I don't know which way this is going to go. I don't know which way Iraq's going to go. I don't know if he wants to withdraw before the Democrats get a chance to withdraw or if he's just going to be – My prediction is it will be stay the course for two more years. Yeah. I have no reason to believe this can be anything different than that. Time will tell. We'll see. We'll see how bad the situation gets in Iraq. I mean, if it gets to if it gets to be much worse than it is, or if a we've already established that we both believe that there's a civil war going on there. Yeah. But if it becomes a really big, huge, blown civil war with U.S. troops right in the middle of it, then there may be more recommendations to get our troops out of there immediately. Yeah. I don't know. However, uh, I just don't think that anything's going to change with Bush in office. Yeah. I think Gates coming in, I mean, I'm a little, I'm, I'm optimistic that maybe Gates will bring a fresh new perspective, and I think that he will have newer ideas and yeah. he'll want to implement new policies. But I have no reason to believe that Bush is going to really do anything yeah. with uh, those recommendations. And let's face it, Gates is only going to have, what, a, Two years, year and a half, you mm-hmm. know? So yes, the, the, the lifespan somebody... for a Secretary of Defense isn't very long. In fact, Rumsfeld was the longest-serving Secretary of Defense, I think, in U.S. history. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what can he really realistically accomplish in that short of a time frame? 
Uh, I mean, I'm just not sure if there's there's anything that he can really do to change the situation there. I I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, although I think that uh, why bother to change Rumsfeld? Uh, I get, I know why. Just a fresh coat of paint, just to uh, rhetorically say that you're you're thinking about changing course. You're thinking about altering things. But one person who cannot help Bush on the diplomatic front. U.N. Ambassador John Bolton. Yeah, he resigned. Now, see, I had no idea he resigned until he resigned. He tendered his resignation because he had no (laughs) shot in hell. Two points. Thank you. (laughs) Aaron just threw away his coffee cup. And it was a magnificent free throw, I might add. Beautiful arch. Shot was a lot better, most of KU basketball players. (laughs) Anyway, we will leave that to the spotcasters. But. Uh, yeah, John Bolton, who didn't have a um, mustache chance in hell of getting renominated. God, you got to love that mustache. That's, I mean, how do you get a mustache that white and have the rest of your hair? Like, he had sort of an amber-colored uh, mm. with flecks of gray. I don't know. It was, it was wonderful walrus sort of mustache. Um, it's like a 70s porn mustache, really. Uh, if it's like geriatric porn, yeah. maybe. <laughs> but yes uh and, and i will use that as my thing that doesn't suck john bolton <laughs> resigning uh he yeah he, he was put abs- th- he was put there as a recess appointment by bush because he couldn't get confirmed in a republican controlled senate so bush had a recess appointment and even now bush was thinking about recess appointing him um but if he had done that, there's like some sort of constitutional something or another where he, he would not be officially employed by the United States government and wouldn't be paid or anything, and he'd just be sort of a seat filler. So Bolton well, deciding to spare himself the uh, committee hearings, which he wouldn't get through anyway, decided to fall on his sword. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see who gets appointed to be the next. Yeah, I know. Because is he going to go maybe – Somebody from his daddy's old cabinet. Is he, you know, is he Wait, things go are going. Yeah. I mean, Bolton, really, Bolton was a complete and total failure. Yeah. I mean, Bolton Worst had these diplomat these ever. Really, Bolton had this, this really bold vision of where he wanted America to be in the United Nations. I mean, essentially, he wanted to completely reform the United Nations. He wanted to sort of set the stage for the United States to pull out of the United Nations. I think he really wanted to see the United Nations just completely disbanded. I mean, he thought yeah. the United Nations was a joke and that there was no need for it. Yes, in fact, and th- he, I think he implied that he wouldn't mind seeing the United Nations building disintegrate. Yeah. <laughs> but, he, you know, as I said, he had this bold vision, what he wanted to do with the United Nations. I think that this Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld all agreed with this vision. And Bolton had, what, two years? Was it more than two years? Yeah, I think it was two years. Two years. He did absolutely nothing. Yeah. It's complete and total failure. Because he was despised, and he went there boldly proclaiming that he did not believe in the United Nations no. and did not believe in the process. Why well, he was in that sort of guy to go engage in those same processes that uh, he had derided in the past? Well, he was openly critical of just about every single thing the United Nations has, has ever done. I mean, he, he would proclaim that the reason why we had to go into Iraq was because the United Nations completely failed there for 10 years, mm. that they were an ineffectual organization that can't do anything on the internet. Pointless bureaucracy. I believe, so. he, I believe he spit in Kofi Annan's coffee, too. Yeah. That's unconfirmed. But I think he actually... He might dipped, have. I believe he dipped his balls in the United Nations break room coffee yeah. pot. Now, don't get me wrong. There needs to be a lot of reforms made in the United Nations. But why... But... That was just sort of, again, an asshole move by the president. To send a guy who has no intention of working with the institution, but that was just, the, to, just as a, that, but, just but as as a said, statement to say that I, said, I don't that like was, you. But that that was. But as I was saying, that was the whole point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they want. They felt. I believe they felt, especially coming off the 2004 victory, that they really believed that they could make serious reforms and neocon reforms in the United Nations. I don't think so. I think they knew that he wouldn't be able to accomplish anything. It was just a big okay, middle maybe, finger. <laughs> Bolton. To the institution that would not fully support his Bolton, I Bolton, I believe, thought that he could make the Yeah, reforms. okay, maybe, yeah, yeah. And he didn't. He didn't do jack shit. He groomed his stash, I believe. I believe he maybe. added some peroxide to his upper lip. And it paid. I mean, it looks wonderful. Now he can charge more for the mustache yeah. rides. Well, it'll be very interesting to see who they appoint. But anyway, that was my thing that doesn't suck. What doesn't suck for you? Oh, and I will say this before I get into 
what I don't think sucks. Yes. You know, there's always been a lot of talk about putting Bill Clinton mm-hmm. at the head of the United Nations. Good idea. <laughs> I think it'd be a great idea. Now, of course, George Bush would never, never ever, ever consider ever, appointing him. Oh, no. But even back in 2004, there was talk of a, yeah. lot, a lot of people wanted to see they don't want to sort see of the Clinton president. The UN or as a special envoy to the yeah, Middle East. They wanted to see the president sort of. Yeah. However, they break prefer, party lines. They prefer to just blame him for, for September 11th. Yeah. Well. <laughs> So I don't I don't know if Clinton would accept the job from the Bush administration. I think it, well yeah he would. Uh, sure. Uh, however, you know uh, Bush keeps turning to his uh, his daddy's friends, going back to the daddy well. well suspect- and who's a bigger friend with G W uh, G H W these days? Bill Clinton. So that, that this sort know. of this sort of Oedipal thing that Bush has with his dad. Well, as I said before, I mean I I would suspect that he will appoint one of his father's old cronies. Yeah. That's what I would suspect. However, now, who that may be, I don't yeah. know. But I don't think there's really anybody else. I mean, he's not going to appoint a neocon. Wouldn't get confirmed. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I I mentioned uh, Oedipal Complex with Bush. That would imply that he wants to sleep with his mom, which uh, just rendered me blind. Mm. <laughs> yeah, let's not think about that. <laughs> but anyway, what doesn't suck for you, Aaron? <laughs> Oh God! Other, other, other than other head. than a nude Mama Bush, <laughs> um, I will say uh, the game Red Steel for the Nintendo Wii. I'm not yes. sure if you've mentioned the Nintendo Wii. I've mentioned it. Okay, I've missed the last couple podcasts. That, so I know. Exactly. And welcome sure. back. But yeah, talk about Red Steel. Oh, I mean, it's just well. First off, the Wii is a very interesting, very interesting, very new. Concept in video yes. games. And basically, Red Steel is more or less just a first-person shooter, uh-huh. but it's got kind of a, I don't know, Kill Bill-ish kind of feel to it. You kind of go around. It. Half of it's shooting people with a newsie and a shotgun. The other half of it's kind of hacking people hacking people up with a uh, katana sword. So, And the beauty of it is with the control st- the control scheme and the way that the Wii is set up is that you actually hack your controller yes, yes. when you're sword fighting. Right. And you hold it as though it were a gun, and you aim it, as the, and it yeah. even has a trigger on it. Yeah. So it's, and the sword, you hold it like it's a sword. And it's slash. It's, it's, it's fulfilling every uh, Quentin Tarantino wet dream that we, as video game yes. aficionados, have ever had. They probably could have called it Kill Bill. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Copyright I, reasons, but... Uh, I think it's great. <laughs> I mean, it's set... Well, I guess it's set in L.A., but it's it's all it about... Go, it goes to a... It goes, it goes to Japan? Okay, Japan, I, Japan. I haven't gotten that far in it yet, but yeah, it's, it's all about the Yakuza, the... Uh, you know. Sexy young Asian women, yes. all tattooed up with dragons. Awesome. There's even a shootout in a massage parlor. Yes. It's great. <laughs> I concur, Aaron. All right. Red Steel, and in a larger sense, the Wii does not suck. No, I'm still getting used to controls, though. Like there, my, accuracy, my accuracy sucks. <laughs> but I can get through the game, but it's... it's just think, Amen is, is, just think is of the, different. the different. whole new crop, the whole new generation of assassins and snipers that the Wii is developing, improving the hand-eye coordination. Right. Uh, the, s- the U.S. military should be thanking Nintendo yes. for breeding future super soldiers. Learning how to, you know, fight with swords. All sorts of stuff. Now, it's interesting now, there was an article recently that uh, is reporting that I guess people are... <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about breaking, the, Yeah, they're breaking their TVs. Yeah. And they're breaking their windows and they're injuring themselves. I yes. guess there was one. There is a whole website a case, devoted to Wii injuries. Yeah, there, there was a Wind, case where somebody got their, I injuries. guess, their fingers cut off from a, a fan yeah, that was because, on the. Because they're, what? Yeah. <laughs> on the ceiling. It, it's, yeah. Windows are being smashed. There is a new phenomenon known as Wii Elbow, much like <laughs> tennis elbow. <laughs> Well, you no, we sports. We sports. Yeah, though, they have I mean, a tennis game in there where you swing it like a racket. No, we sports. I mean, when I played we sports, 
for about an hour. I woke up the next day. I was sore. I was sore as hell. You know what? And you know what did me in, weirdly enough? Like the least active of any of the sports, bowling. Bowling? Bowling did me in because I had to do like the full crouch roll position. And so I had this, I have, like some people have wee elbow. I'm developing wee ass. My my left ass cheek, it was just like a knot of agony because like I was doing all this squatting with my, with my full form bowling, which I didn't have to do. But what's the fun if you but don't? But you did. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. I think we've wasted. Oh, God, have we wasted here. a lot of time. Uh, but, yes, we'll wrap it up. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight on Punditocracy, Lawrence.com's politics and culture talk show. Feel free to email us at poundingthepundit at yahoo.com. Leave comments on Lawrence.com. Please be our friends on our MySpace page, www.myspace.com backslash Punditocracy. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye.